brothers and sisters, family and friends. This is episode 35, following along with lesson 34, Helaman chapter 7 through 12. And today I am joined by some special guests. First, I've got Charlie and Dan Winward. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, guys. Um, we're both from northern Utah. We're not, nothing too special about us. Lies. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We've been married for almost, well, four and a half years. Right, coming up on five. Coming up on five. No kids. What do you want to add? That's about it. Yeah, we're pretty simple. They, uh, we've been friends with them for, what, forever? A Six long, years? Seven years? A long six time. Six or seven years? Six, seven? Well, since Somewhere around there. Sophomore year of college. Probably six. So, yeah. How long six. Was that? A year six before years. we all got married. Yeah. So six years, wow. Yeah, after after my mission anyway. And then yeah. it's been it's just been a ride. It's been a trip. We uh you guys just moved back from North Dakota recently. Yep, North Dakota. Just in the perfect like in the nick of time really is right when COVID hit and yeah. it's just beautiful timing. Pretty much screwed up all of our plans, <laughs> but that's terrible okay. Timing. That's right. <laughs> hey, but I'm glad to have you guys here. We're glad to be here. And then I'm also joined by my beautiful wife Alexis. Hi, if you didn't hear me early already. And, uh, yeah, so once again, thank you guys for for joining me, being willing to do this. No problem. And uh, before I begin, just wanted to send my love to Nate and Amy Nelson. I love you guys, and uh, hope you guys are doing all right. And you're, you're my thoughts and my prayers. Lexus, too. Okay, with that, I'll get into the introduction. Before I do, uh, there's a the part before the intro... I kind of like this from this week's lesson. It says, Nephi, Lehi, and others had many revelations daily. Frequent revelation is not just for prophets. It's available to you too. Record your impression. Recording your impressions can help you receive revelation more consistently. So I really like that. Uh, I thought that was kind of something that I've been trying to uh, do myself, get more revelation, and I think that was a helpful note for me. I need to be writing those down more often. The introduction. Nephi's father, Helaman, had urged his sons to remember, remember, he wanted them to remember their ancestors, remember the words of the prophets, and most of all, remember our Redeemer who is Christ. It's clear that Nephi did remember because this is the same message he declared years later with unwearingness to the people. How could you have forgotten your God? He asked. All of Nephi's efforts, preaching, praying, performing miracles, and petitioning God for a famine were attempts to help the people turn to God and remember him. In many ways, forgetting God is a bigger problem even than not knowing him, and it's easy to forget him when our minds are distracted by the vain things of this world and clouded by sin. But as Nephi's ministry shows, it's never too late to remember and turn unto the Lord your God. Uh, from that introduction, my favorite part was where it says, in many ways, forgetting God is a bigger problem than even not knowing him. I was thinking about that, of how in my life I feel like I'm far more responsible with the testimony I have. And so anytime I do forget the Lord, uh, I feel the impact of, of that. Uh, was there anything in the introduction, though, that stood out to y'all? Um, I definitely liked the same thing that you did. It, I don't know. It, I think that's what we should always be doing is remembering the Christ in our lives every single day, not just on Sunday. And so I do really like that, that it, it is, um, I hate to admit, easy to forget sometimes. And so it's always a good reminder to remember to keep Christ the center of your life. 
No, absolutely. Well, and, and I think that's the thing is it is so easy to forget. And that's where I find myself being more frustrated with myself and my discipleship is like that there will be times where I get more distracted with what's happening in my week, uh, with my work, or I mean, even with family stuff that's not the important family stuff. And then it'll come Sunday and I'm like, I did not really think about like the gospel. I didn't think about church or whatever it be. And then I'm like, well, this was a lackluster Sabbath day for me because of my lack of preparation. So, uh, I, I mean, I think that's part of the mortal experience. It's, it's easy to forget and then it's on us to make it not so easy. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone else? Okay. Let's get into the lesson, Ideas for Personal Scripture Study. So uh, the first one in the first chunk, prophets reveal the will of God. Um, so I'll read this first part and then I'll jump into kind of my thoughts here. But it says, there are many prophets described throughout the Book of Mormon. But Helaman 7 through 11 is a particularly good place to learn what a prophet is, what he does, and how we should receive his word. As you read these chapters, pay attention to Nephi's actions, thoughts, and interactions with the Lord. How does Nephi's ministry help you better understand the role of the prophet in our day? Uh, here are a few examples, and what else do you find? And actually on that what else do you find part, because it lists like several chunks of scripture like that it goes through, I guess, in this lesson to break it down, but something I found just right away. Um, so I, I had remembered this, reading this back when we used to do the manuals for the prophets uh, instead of Come Follow Me. And uh, from President Lorenzo Snow's, he had an experience. So I'm going to read this. This is in his uh, Teachings of the Prophets, Lorenzo Snow, Chapter 5. And it says, In the spring of 1840, Lorenzo Snow was in Nauvoo, Illinois, preparing to leave for a mission in England. He visited the home of his friend Henry G. Sherwood, and he asked Brother Sherwood to explain a passage of Scripture. Uh, while attentively listening to his explanation, President Snow later recalled, The Spirit of the Lord rested mightily upon me. The eyes of my understanding were opened, and I saw as clear as the sun at noonday, with wonder and astonishment, the pathway of God and man. I formed the following couplet, which, ex- which expresses the revelation as it, was shown, as it was shown me. The couplet is this, As a man now is, God once was. As God now is, man may be. Feeling that he had received a sacred communication, that he should guard carefully, Lorenzo Snow did not teach the doctrine publicly until he knew that the prophet Joseph Smith had taught it. Once he knew the doctrine was public knowledge, he testified of it frequently. And uh, so in thinking about this lesson and in conjunction with that, I was just thinking how interesting it was that here a future prophet, but at the time who was living, uh, Joseph Smith was the prophet at this time, and how Lorenzo Snow received personal revelation on a doctrine that Joseph Smith, the prophet, had not yet revealed to the church. Um, so this was like a, you know, a, a hidden doctrine at the time. And he had received that personal revelation and felt that he had received revelation, but then knew that he needed to keep that sacred and uh, not you know, share that as a doctrine of the church yet. And then it wasn't until after the prophet revealed it that then he shared that publicly and I just think that's it to me that's been an interesting story as I thought about how with our own lives you know we we receive personal revelation and we can receive personal revelation on the mysteries of God and we talk about you know one of the keys though of knowing you know if the revelation is true or not is if it's a if the prophets taught it if multiple prophets and apostles have taught it then it's true doctrine but there are still things that we're we're learning we're understanding and I believe that just like President Snow's experience, 
we too can receive such personal revelation, but if we were to receive it, just as President Snow had received, that revelation would be sacred and need to be kept sacred and not, re- not shared publicly until through the keys of the prophet that had been shared. Um, so that was something I had been thinking about, just how interesting that God's kingdom is so organized that we all have the ability to receive revelation as fast as we're able to receive it, line upon line, precept upon precept, and that as far as teaching it publicly, that will only be done through the keys of the prophet. So that was something I've been thinking about. Uh, did you all have any thoughts there, or did you have any thoughts just on the role of a prophet in your life? I've just seen everything. I've, I'm sure I've probably said it on here before. I don't know. I don't remember the last time I've been on here, but just the role that the prophet has made in the last six months, or really the last like year and a half, because when Come Follow Me was announced, it was a year and a half ago, about, I guess, I don't know. Um, but now all of a sudden, like that's what we, a year in advance, the Lord knew this was going to happen, and he started preparing people even more years in advance, because obviously like, it probably took a couple of years just to even get Come Follow Me ready to publish and like sent out. So just the prophet knew exactly what we needed, but even then, I don't. he didn't know in that October 2019 conference when he said it's going to be the biggest, like most memorable conference yet, he just knew that it was going to be memorable, but here we are. And at the like, conference has passed, and now we know why it was, and now this next 2020 is going to be done the same way. But just how important it is that we have a prophet, I found a lot of peace. It's like if something big happens in the world, it's like I just wait for the prophet to come out and make a statement. Just kind of like, okay, if the church makes a big deal about this, it's a big deal. <laughs> because I just I trust the prophet so much to be in that constant communication with God. So I'm really grateful for to have a prophet now so that he can warn us and he can help us stay on the right path help us know what if we don't know what we need to repent for then they can help us out (laughs) i think for me the reason i even had the thought about like uh the president snow story is is i've been seeing um and lex lex and i have been talking about this but just almost like this feeling that if uh like you can't receive your own personal revelation. You have to get it from like, I don't know, like uh, whatever the church puts out there is you just accept that as truth. And, and there's truth to that, obviously. Like the church won't put something out there that hasn't been obviously talked over, consulted with, and comes through the line of, of revelation. But I think we're missing out when we don't, when we don't personally seek after revelation for our own life or as through our study to be able to learn the mysteries of god um i feel like we halt our own progress and put ourselves where it's like well i'll just wait for conference and that's when i'll hear the revealed word but but what are you doing in between the six months you know um and like i've been feeling in a rut lately with my personal study where i'll be reading the scriptures and i feel like i'm getting stuff out but then feels like I, I'm hit, I've been hitting this wall almost where I'm like, like, I don't know. It's like, it's like I'm missing something. I don't know. I don't know what it is I'm missing, but I feel like I need to take my personal study past whatever wall I keep hitting. Like I need to, I, I need to figure it out. I need to get that personal revelation to, to figure out how to get where God wants me to be. And so that's something that I've been going through lately is like, 
feel like I'm, I'm hitting a wall and it's my own self-imposed wall that like I'm trying to figure out right like what it is I need I um I actually just sent this to Dant yesterday it's a quote from Jeffrey R. Holland um it says if for a while the harder you try the harder it gets take heart so it has been with the best people who ever lived and that gave me so much comfort because I'm feeling very similar to how you are right now, Dalton. And I thought, just because it's hard and I keep trying and it's getting harder, that doesn't mean I'm the first one to go through it. And it's going to get better. It's just this weird phase of time that the Lord needs me to go through. I guess kind of needs us to go through as a couple. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> No, I, th I think that's a great, I love that quote, actually. I think that's something that helps me, actually, as I think about that is, it's true. That's where, I mean, that's what this life is about. It's about going through trials. And I think sometimes I get so impatient because I'm like, just mm -hmm. get me to the next step. And Lex knows, I've been very impatient lately, uh, wanting, I don't know, just certain things to happen in life that I feel like I've been pushing for and pushing for. So I, I, I love that scripture. Thank you. Um, and one more thought I have on, on this, uh, then I'll turn it over to if anyone else has anything. So it goes to these scriptures, and I think those are great. But at the end it says, how do these verses affect how you feel about our living prophet? What has he taught recently, and what are you doing to listen and to follow his direction? So I actually went through the last conference, um, and he gave three talks. One was opening the heavens for help, uh, which talked about kind of reminding us who's at the head of this church. It's Jesus Christ and also helping us remember that's, I believe that was the same talk where, and I could be wrong, but I believe that was the talk where he introduced the new uh, emblem for the oh, scriptures, right? With uh -huh. Christ and the cornerstone and the arch and, and or the doorway or whatever. Uh, so that was a great talk. And then the second talk was hear him. And then the third one was go forward in faith. And I thought those are just three interesting principles to highlight, uh, you know, and just the names of the talks too, right? They were all focused on Christ and moving forward, mm -hmm. it was, you know, opening the heavens, hear him and go forward in faith. And so something I've been doing on that note of trying to like listen and remember the prophet's words is I'll actually go through, uh, when I work out, I work out to conference talks. And it's actually helpful because they're kind of timed in the perfect. No. <laughs> they're kind of timed perfectly Convenient. for my circuit training. <laughs> Who knew? And so I'm able to go through about three talks from conference to be able to hit my my circuit. And it's also been great because uh, not only am I getting physically fed, but then I'm also getting spiritually fed at the same time. But that's what I've been trying to do. So those are my thoughts there. Does anyone have anything... Uh, they want to add before we go on to the next chunk about uh, prophets revealing the word of God. I just can't believe conference is in like six weeks. I know. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. Already. And I'm, I am sad that it has to be done virtually again. I think the virtual is great. And it's weird because it's like, we're, I mean, I don't go to the conference center. I've never been a huge fan of going downtown uh, during conference and other people get like super stoked for it, but I've never been a huge fan of it. But it just feels different. I don't know. It's like when I was watching the virtual one, right? And not having, I don't know. It's just different. It's different. It's different. And uh, 
I'll be happy when things, if if things ever go back to whatever normal was. I love being um, in the conference center, but if I'm at home watching, I love seeing all the reactions of the people there because they're feeling the same way I am at home or, you know, everyone feels the spirit differently, but even during the music, I love seeing the people singing at the conference center in the big assembly hall. It, it's just, I like seeing all of these people come together to listen and love the church like we all do from our home. It's just fun for me. I don't know. I miss seeing people. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I And that's, like, it's just, I don't know. It's weird when they, even, even when I've been listening and then, they end their talk and like, or they go to tell a joke, uh-huh. right? Normally there'd be the audience laughter. There's just like dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it's just like this awkward, like, yeah. which is funny because when I'm working out, it's just me alone in the basement and I'll be working out and then they'll say a joke and I'll just start laughing. And then I'm like, oh, this is uncomfortable. No one else is laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, it's just different. It's so different. And, yeah. um, I don't know. I don't know, but it will be nice. It will be nice to hear the prophet's words, obviously, uh, over the pulpit again mm-hmm. at the next conference. In the next chunk, it's signs and miracles are helpful but not sufficient to build enduring faith. Uh, and this, it's funny, I actually talked, not knowing this was in the week, the next week's lesson, which is now. Last week, I think I discussed something about this same thing. And actually, I was talking, when I went on that camping trip, uh, me and my brother, brothers, brothers-in-laws, in-laws? How would you say that plural? Who cares? Brother-in-laws? Brother in law. Brothers in law. I don't know. Oh man, finer points of grammar. Uh, well, whatever the case, my plural brothers, uh, we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Not polygamy. That's right. We were talking about how. uh, Oh, ADD hit me hard just there. Uh, Miracles. Miracles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Putting your testimony in miracles and. one of my brothers had talked about a miraculous story that had really helped them in their faith. And I thought it was great. It's a great story. It's really powerful. Um, but then me and my other brother were talking about how it's so important not to make miracles the foundation of faith. So it was just interesting, right? Like I hadn't, I didn't know what the lesson was going to come and yet already was having discussions with people about this. I think mm-hmm. it's the spirit was like, Hey, be ready for this. So, here's what it says. If signs or, or miracles were enough to change a person's heart, then all the Nephites would have been converted by the remarkable signs Nephi gave in Helaman 9. Instead, a division among the people arose be, uh, because many of them did still harden their hearts. How do the wicked often react to signs and miracles? What is the danger of making signs the foundation of a testimony? And actually, it says, uh, see signs, gospel topics. And I'm actually going to read that because I thought it was... It's, it's a little bit long. It's a little bit lengthy. I'll read it fast. But I think this is great. Signs are, event, signs are events or experiences that demonstrate the power of God. They are often miraculous. They identify and announce great events such as the Savior's birth, death, and second coming. They remind the children of God of covenants the Lord has made with them. Signs may also bear witness of divine calling or indicate the Lord's disapproval. The word sign is also used in Scripture to denote a memorial of an event that is to be remembered. Signs are associated with gifts of the Spirit. They are often an indication of faith in God. The resurrected Jesus Christ taught his disciples, signs shall follow them that believe. Some people claim that they would believe in God or his works if they were able to receive a sign. But faith does not come by signs. It comes through the Holy Ghost as individuals study the scriptures and prayerfully seek to to learn the plan of God. The Lord revealed faith cometh not by signs, but signs follow those that believe. Such signs are given to those that are faithful and obedient 
to strengthen them in their faith and to help them carry out the will of God. Because signs are associated with faithfulness, non-believers often mock believers with requests for a sign. Uh, and we've seen multiple examples of that in, in the book of Alma. In tempting Jesus Christ, Satan made this mocking request, as did those who crucified the Christ. Jesus taught an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Signs are not given to produce faith, but to confirm faith and to bless the faithful. And I love that end part about that signs are not given to essentially create the faith, but to confirm the faith. They come after the trial of our faith. And I love that. Um, so anyway, that, those are kind of my thoughts. I really wanted to read that science part because it stuck out to me. Uh, but what about y'all? Do you have experiences with that, with this maybe of like, not making your testimony the foundation based off a miracle or or just anything any thoughts here um okay so i'm going to speak on behalf of dant because he is more quiet and i'm a little bit more talkative so dant is actually really really good at this because sometimes i feel like man nothing's happening for me right now um i wish there was a sign of some sort a miracle that i could see like a clear direction that I'm supposed to go. But Dant, he has the ability to see God's hand in every aspect aspect of our lives. I mean, we'll just be sitting there and something, anything will happen. And he's like, that was definitely our Heavenly Father, like giving us this little tender mercy. And it's so interesting to me because he is just so good at being able to pick out, he just... He, he just sees it differently than I do, but it's been a huge blessing for me to get little glimpses and have Dan be like, no, this is, this is Heavenly Father. And so I have really enjoyed that because Dan's really good at being able to see Heavenly Father's hand in, in everything. And so it, it might not be miraculous or a miracle, but it's a little tender mercy. I love that. I love that. I... I feel like I don't have that gift, so I think that's a great gift that Dan has. I think sometimes I'll be like, gosh, where's the miracles? Why aren't they coming? And then Lex has to remind me, like, look at everything in your life and all the signs that God is there through the little things. And I'm like, you're right, you're right. She has to sometimes help me see, I don't know if it's the smaller picture or the bigger picture, but whichever one I'm lacking. And uh, so I think that's a great gift uh, to be able to have. I... You know, I, I, as I was discussing this with uh, my brother-in-law, Daxton, I had said, you know, I'll hear stories of people that they'll see angels. And they'll, like, um, one, of, one of our Latter-day Prophets, Wilford Woodruff, actually, had the gift of being able to see past the veil. He talked, like, all the time he was seeing the other side. And he, obviously, in the, in the St. George Temple, had the vision where all the uh, founding fathers came to him and asked to have their temple work done. Uh, that was not a one-off experience. He had that happen like time and time again where he just, for him, seeing past the veil was a, a common occurrence. And I feel like that's a miracle. Like obviously it's a spiritual gift, but to me I'm like, I don't know a whole lot of people. I actually don't know anyone <laughs> that I've ever heard who has the gift to see past the veil like that. And, um, but obviously it's a spiritual gift. And so I've thought, you know, in my own head, what do I have to do to receive that spiritual gift because that's like a wow that's a miracle one kind of thing to me and, and so Daxon and I were talking about this and you know we brought up the fact that there's a counter to all things with every gift there's an opposite uh, not a curse necessarily but an opposite temptation 
right? And and so, just like with someone being able to see through the veil, then the flip side is that they can also see through the veil to see Satan and his minions, which would be a horrifying experience. And actually, Wilford Woodruff did have multiple experiences where he did see Satan and his uh, followers, like on on several occasions. So, it's kind of like with every gift comes with great responsibility comes or with great power comes great responsibility that's kind of thing and i think same is true with spiritual gifts so my, i guess the point i want to make here is at least for me what i've been thinking about is that miracles do happen in people's lives and usually it's a a one time experience or maybe a two time experience that you hear about and for me where i look back through my life and i've had a ton of amazing things happen but nothing i would consider a miraculous experience necessarily uh to me, I recognize not to be jealous or to think, oh, I'm not worthy or like, oh, why, you know, comparing myself to other people because God does deal with us in different ways. And uh, this isn't a race against each other. This is a race together. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like how you were explaining how Dan has that gift to be able to help you see. It's not, you know, because then Dan's better than you. It's because Dan has strengths that help you. You have strengths that help him we all together have collective strengths and weaknesses to help each other. And um, in this world, it's like in, in, in the fallen modern world we live in, competition is almost like the key, but we forget that together we're actually in this. We're all in this together. Oh, no. You know what I'm saying? Like it really is like this come together. And uh, so anyway, that's some thoughts I have there. Well, just like where this all comes from is just when um, that Nephi finds the, the chief judge dead mm-hmm. and then he tells him like, okay, well, then this, this is what happened. And I love like whenever I read this, I just imagine everything like going back and forth and just the conversations that they had to have been having like, dude, what if this guy's right? Like they're running back and forth to go, to go see if, if this was true or not. So I, I like try to find humor in the scriptures. <laughs> And just try to like really paint the picture. So I see these guys just like in a movie running back and forth, like looking at each other. Do you think this is real? Well, what are you going to do if it's real? I wonder all this stuff. Anyway, but then they come back and half the people believe it and they're converted. And the other half are just like, it's priestcraft. And like, that's just how it is with everything. It's like, just, mm-hmm. I guess, because you can't base them on miracles because Satan will come right in and whisper in your ears of like, well, like this, it was just a coincidence that that happened. It had nothing to do with God, and it's, and sometimes we, it, it's, it could be easy for us to believe that because, I don't know, sometimes it's easier to believe that. I don't know because I don't even want to say that. I don't know. What I'm trying to say, but it's just an interesting perspective um, of these two people and how there really was a division among the people, and that's how it's just always going to be. So people can, if you do have these miracles in your life and you like you share with someone and they're just like no don't let that get you down don't let that damper your faith or like your experience at all so yeah i think you're so right because even when it comes to politics there is always going to be division Mm -hmm. no one is ever going to agree completely right never get the 100 percent never (laughs) so i really like that honestly on that story it's actually what you think about it obviously in hindsight it's actually a really funny story because he's like oh by the way the chief judge is dead he's been murdered five people go to check on it they get there they see he's dead they're so astonished they pass out 
And then the people show up and they're like, they're the murderers. So the people that went to check get put in prison and they're like, we didn't do it. And then Nephi go and then like this, it's like this whole like, oh my gosh, wrong place, wrong time. And they all, then they assume it. Nephi's the one that did it. And then he's like, oh, I didn't do it, but I do know who did. And then the same thing, like once they go and exactly as what he says laid out for them, right? Because they, they even accuse Nephi. They're like, because who is it? He says, uh, I know it's the brother, but what's his name? Uh, Seantum. He identifies Seantum as the murderer. And uh, he's like, they're like, well, well, how do we know that you're not, you know, in with in in on it with him? And he's like, okay, here's another sign. You're gonna go talk and say these exact words, and he's gonna deny that I had anything. To, it's just like this whole kind of debacle. So I think it's obviously in hindsight, it's it's for us as readers, I think it is pretty funny. I put myself into the position of one of the five, and that'd be a horrible place to be in. I'd be like, why did I volunteer to go check? Also, what is with people passing out left and right throughout? The scriptures where like Alma passes out and uh, when he has his angel experience, right? And that one makes sense to me. But then the, new, the Lamanites, the Lamanites pass out through through all of that. And then like when Ammon and Alma have a reunion, they pass out like because they're so excited to see each other. And I'm like, dude, you guys have some low blood sugar. Could have been a medical. Like no, what if they I, have diabetes, I, you know? Like, like I don't know. <laughs> They're just like, oh, I haven't eaten, but I'm so excited to see you, and poof, down. Or what is that, uh, what's the one where in Mall Cop uh, he has, because he has to take sugar, or else he'll pass out. Um, it's the opposite Paul of diabetes. Yeah, but it's the opposite of diabetes. I can't remember what it is, but anyway, maybe they had that, right? They, they needed some sugar, and Who they knows? did it, and they passed out. I don't know. <laughs> Regardless, people be passing out left and right. I passed out in the temple one time, you know, I don't know. I know. It just happens. Know. It, was, it was scary. <laughs> Um, so before we move on, did anyone have any other thoughts on, uh, the signs and miracles, foundation of faith, yada, yada, yada. Just use it as a foundation to, to strengthen your faith. Don't base it off of that because then Satan can use, can use that to confuse you and make you doubt things. So, yeah. In the next chunk, pondering invites revelation. Uh, so I'm going to read a verse real fast that I like that stuck out from this one in chapter 10 verse 3 and it came to pass as he was thus pondering being much cast down because of the wickedness of the people of the Nephites their secret works of darkness and their murderings and their plunderings and all manner of iniquities and it came to pass as he was thus pondering in his heart behold a voice came unto him saying and I just think it was interesting that uh, so this is talking about Nephi, Nephi's experience but that he had been pondering what the Lord had shown him but he had also been pondering like how sad he was he was going over like his emotions and I know when I'm feeling deep sadness or whatever, typically I'm not pondering why I'm feeling deep sadness. I'm just like, how can I not be sad anymore? <laughs> like, let's go do something fun so I'm no longer sad. Let us let me call someone so I'm no longer sad. But Nephi was pondering over his sadness. And because he was doing that, it put him in a position that the Lord was actually able to talk to him. So this was a that's something that stuck out to me that I'm like, maybe in my grief or maybe when I'm going through something that I don't want to take head on, I'd rather just do the, you know, the band-aid things I'm able to do. Like, like for instance, I know when I'm sad, eating makes me feel better. So I can easily eat and I've always feel better. Or uh, another thing, if I go to bed, I always wake up in a better mood. But sometimes maybe what I need to be doing is uh, seeking that revelation from the Lord and pondering over what it is or, or whatnot. And that, I think puts me in a position to have more spiritual experiences. 
But in this, so that's what I got from that. But this chunk, it talks about how, uh, so I'll read this first part and then I'll summarize the rest. It says, if you have ever felt downtrodden, anxious, or confused, you might learn an important lesson from Nephi's example in Helaman chapter 10, two to four, which is essentially what I just read. What did, what did he do when he felt cast down? I already covered that. And then it talks about what President Henry B. Eyring says about, uh, to him, he says, pondering to him is, um, is the thinking and the praying I do after reading and studying the scriptures carefully. So I really like that. And then it talks about Devin, Devin G. Durant's talk, that my heart pondereth them continually. If you don't remember which talk this was, this was the ponderize. Pick a scripture and ponderize. Um, not going to lie, I was probably one of the few people who after that talk did not enjoy the word ponderize. I was very negative about it. But the concept is great. Uh, picking a scripture and pondering it. Not to be negative about uh, Elder Durant. Just wasn't a fan of the ponderize word. Do you guys remember that? The ponderize? I don't even remember. It was back in 2015, so it's been a while. But I remember it stuck out so vividly to me because I was like pretty violently angry about it. I was like, why would he create a new word? Anyway. Uh, yeah, what do you guys think about pondering uh, just in, in general and receiving revelation in context of that? Have you ever pondered and received revelation? Like, has anyone tested this out? I feel like I I do a lot of pondering when I'm cleaning. It's usually whenever I'm not. I like to listen to music, especially in the car. But if I ever just, like, have it down for some reason, if the kids are quiet, I often find myself pondering. But I like what pres like how present. I need to be more like President Iring and do more pondering after I read the scriptures. But because I usually leave it until right before I go to bed, I read my scriptures. I say a prayer and hope that I don't fall asleep during that prayer. <laughs> and then if I stay awake, then I I rarely ponder things just because I don't give myself that time. But I know that it's really important to do that, especially because that's like when when you've read your scriptures and you said your prayers, like that's when you are going to be the most in tune with the spirit because you've just read the scriptures and said prayers so I need to be better at doing that but usually I do it a lot whenever I'm driving or anything and I just think about things that are coming on and all of a sudden I have these epiphanies and I need to be better at writing things down I need to be better at a lot of things but <laughs> the Lord loves me all. anyway <laughs> but I still I feel like I do as long as I can turn the music off in the car or I'm able to like just cleaning the house or exercising whatever it's usually my time to ponder is when it's quiet my kids aren't in between my legs trying to get me together the snack or something and it's whenever I can just relax and and I just let my mind I literally just let my mind wander and I somehow come sometimes come full circle and I learn I can learn a lot through the spirit or like what I need to do or what I even want out of life or just even to make me feel better about myself <laughs> if I need to Sweetheart, why don't you? My turn. Yeah, why, why don't you tell them about dump, driving your dump truck? Or when about? you're driving, when you how you listen to talks? Yeah, I, I like listening to conference talks, but I only listen to it when I'm actually paying attention. I usually try every day, but some days I just don't take. Yeah. Which I mean, I can sit there and try to listen, but I don't know. But I don't know. I mean, it's talking about pondering it's it's kind of hard your mind's always going there's always some distraction whether it be music or or something i mean for me like late at night when i'm just about to sleep that's when a lot of things will hit me and that's probably just because 
my mind's at that point where there's nothing in it. <laughs> so maybe I need to work on that more and allow, you know, for revelation to come because I'm always thinking of something. Like I'll, I drive all day every day and sometimes I'll go hours without listening to the radio and my mind's just cooking the whole time. So I guess, you know, there's more to it just being silent. I guess you got to, I guess, take your mind there or whatever. I definitely think, though, that you, you're always talking to me about something you heard that really stood out to you in those talks you listen to. Like, all the time. He's always like, we've got to listen to this talk. It's so good. It would really benefit us. He's like, I listened to it earlier. There's a specific part I loved. So it's so interesting because I also feel like a lot of the time we're thinking about things without realizing we're thinking about things. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So. And I'm the kind of guy where just a paragraph, a phrase, that's what really sticks with me. I listen to a whole talk and it'll just be like a two-liner. And that's like what really hits me. So. Well, and I feel like that's how Joseph Smith was. I mean, that's where... He had read the entire Bible and gets to the, uh, what's the James, James 2.5, the, oh. Yeah, if any of you, thank you, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Like, he goes through the entire Bible, and that's the one, that's the passage of Scripture that stuck, sticks out to him so much that it leads him to action. So I feel like that's the right pattern, at least. And, uh, well, for everyone listening, because I know Dan, Pretty well, I feel like now. <laughs> like maybe a year or two years ago, I could have said that, but I definitely can now. But I feel like Dan has like the gift of pondering. I'll always be like, man, he looks like he's just so contemplative, you know? Like, whereas I'm always ratting off my mouth, Dan's just sitting, listening, taking it all in. Like, that's a gift that I need to be working on for sure. <laughs> I feel like with me, the what I struggle with, thought same thing as what you were talking about, but. I'll try to ponder. So in the whole, in Moroni's promise, spoiler, he's going to make a promise at the end of this book. If you didn't know. <laughs> but I feel like he talks about read it, ponder it, and pray about it. I struggle with that second part. I struggle with the ponder part. When it came to getting my own testimony of the Book of Mormon, I, uh, I read it just fine. And I could pray about it easy. I've, I've always had faith in prayer. But when it comes to pondering like I really did. This is like an actual, true internal struggle. I just struggle pondering things, and I could think something over and over, but the deep pondering part, like I feel like it's different. It's you could think about something, and then you could really internalize something, and that's the part that I, for whatever reason, have always struggled with. And as I was thinking about this lesson, the thing I that came to me as I was like praying and figuring out how can I be better at pondering because I want I want to be and I want to be able to oh I feel like it's a key to revelation and receiving revelation is the ability to ponder and I would love to open that key and something that came to my mind is that I need to write what I'm thinking down because I'm really good at writing stuff like or uh, figuring stuff out on paper so if it's in my head I cannot I could like mull and mull a problem over and over and will never solve the problem. But the moment I write it down, and I actually love whiteboards a lot for this reason. Um, I don't know, I've always been a whiteboard person. But when I can write something down on the entire board and then be able to erase it and undo stuff and then go back and, and do new things, I feel like I am like a rocket scientist. Like I could solve anything if you give me that problem. But my problem is I don't write it down. 
And so I don't know if anyone else struggles with that, but for me, that's what hit me this week is I've got to write stuff down and I, I like I have to do it. If I don't do it, I won't ponder it. Um, so I don't know. That's what I was thinking. Does anyone else have anything to add? I just had a quick thing that I wanted to add that uh, my stake president when I was in high school growing up, I, I, I don't remember if he was talking with the youth when he shared it or if he was talking at the pulpit at state conference, but I always remember whenever I think about, about pondering and just kind of like thinking of something, you're listening to a talk and you just kind of like zone out, like thinking about XYZ. Sometimes he said, sometimes I think that's just how the Lord works. Because then all of a sudden you're back, like you'll be listening to something and you'll hear something and then you'll like focus on that and then you'll kind of go off. And then you'll come back a couple minutes later and be like, oh, I just forgot the whole, I just missed the whole rest of their talk or something. And President Shanoff just said, that's he's like that's maybe that's the only thing you needed to learn that you need to hear from that person's talk and you took it off and like you technically were pondering about it or it led you to somewhere else that you needed to take and then you came back and didn't listen to the rest of it or whatever he's like sometimes it's good to let it he's like it just depends on what you're doing like, if you're really listening and your mind goes off don't feel bad about it that you missed the rest of the talk because you got the little section that the lord wanted you from that talk or whatnot so i've always liked that and it, it, that part of just when he said that help me remember that okay that was an important part that I was supposed to learn and it's okay that I didn't get the rest of the talk sometimes I do a general conference too they say one thing and I, I really hone in on that and then all of a sudden I'm just gone somewhere else and I'm like oh no <laughs> but it's okay it's okay to do that and I think everyone pondering is just different for everyone mm-hmm. like if I think what what you I don't know what you're saying Dalton that how you ponder, it's gonna look different than the way the damp ponders. Maybe it's okay if, maybe if you don't ever get to that point. If, if it's really important to you, then obviously like try to get to that point. But I think it's different for everybody what, what it looks like. I think it's just important that we, that we recognize how we ponder. Uh. See, and I, I love what you just said because I, I mean, I've listened to so many conference talks but there's really, I couldn't tell you what the whole talk's about. I can only tell you a snippet of the talk I listened to, where as someone else might know a snippet of a different piece of that talk. And sometimes I feel so, I guess almost dumb that I don't remember the entire talk. But it's because that's what stuck out to me. So thank you for sharing that. I really like that. And that actually, what you guys both just said actually does cause me to think, I mean, for this podcast. You're pondering on our thoughts. I'm pondering on your look thoughts. You. Now look at me. I'm practicing already. I need to write it down. I, uh, but that's what I hope, I think, out of my podcast is I hope what's happening is not, I don't want people to remember what I'm saying because I'm, I'm not the smartest. Like, I'm not the best. But hopefully what I'm doing is opening a gateway for during the week people to be able to just to ponder to come follow me, right? And, and that's what I'm hoping to do for myself. So I think, I guess I, I never thought about that. But that is what I'm trying to do. Is that's, I'm just trying to open the gate for pondering. Because I don't want people to memorize everything I said. Like I said, that'd be horrible. Be really oh, horrible. they'll get dumber. <laughs> <laughs> don't even. <laughs> but no, that's great. Thank you, guys. Uh, the next chunk, it says, The Lord wants me to remember him. In Helaman 12, Norman, who was abridging the record, summarizes some of the lessons we can learn from the account of Nephi in the previous chapters. Consider using his summary as an opportunity to examine your own heart. You might even make a list of things Mormon says cause people to forget the Lord. What helps you remember him? What changes are you inspired to make based on what you learned? And I just made a quick list of three things that I noticed from that, uh, from Helaman 12. 
My three things that I noticed was uh, when they had a life of easiness, they were able to forget the Lord. Uh, through their iniquity, they forgot the Lord. And through their pride, they forgot the Lord. And those three things I have seen in my life. Uh, whenever times are easy, it's a lot easier for me to forget to pray. Because when times are hard, it's really easy to get on my knees and plead for things not to be so hard. Uh, anytime I've sinned or through iniquity, obviously that separates me from the Lord, makes it easier to forget. So always combating iniquity and sin. And pride, which as I talked about not only last week, but I pretty much talk about it all the time. Always trying to combat my pride because it's, you know, so strong. But uh, what do y'all y'all think? Anything there about the Lord wants us to remember him and kind of combating when we forget or combating forgetting the Lord or things like that? Well, it's so interesting. I'm a little bit of the opposite. I am, I guess I am, a, I must, I am a very prideful person. <laughs> I will, I just, I'll admit it. Lies. Because I have the hardest time asking for help, even from our Heavenly Father. So I've noticed that it is way easier for me to get on my knees and pray when things are easy than when it's hard. Because I feel like if I'm having a hard time, I can figure it out. Like I know I can figure something out, which is so wrong because it's a pride thing. And so, it's just interesting hearing you say that because I'm like, man, I'm opposite, but I, sh I need to be more like you. I mean, we need to be praying <laughs> all, all together, the time, yeah. but um, I think I, it's like I need to change my mental, I guess, awareness because I'm just a prideful person. That's something I definitely need to work on. No, but I, I think that's interesting, though. Like, yeah, it's a personality thing right like it's I guess I've never thought about it yeah there, there, obviously there's a personality type like you've said where it's easier for you to pray when times are good because for you when times are hard you're like I'll figure it out mm -hmm. right whereas I'm clearly a baby because anytime <laughs> anything's remotely hard I'm like dear lord you need to fix this for me. <laughs> I'm freaking out and it's like most first world problem ever like Lex and I were looking at cars, and I told Lex to pray over the car color because she was struggling with that, right? Like, who cares? <laughs> but, first you know, world that's the first world problem right there. No, but that's what's so great is you can turn to the Lord for anything. Yeah, so, like, I mean, yeah. and we did figure that, we did figure that problem out. Mm -hmm. Mostly I just said what I wanted and we went with it, but <laughs> we'll, see when, we'll see when we go pick it up. <laughs> um, I, like... I just, the, that whole verse too, I have it marked that it is literally, it is the pride cycle. Like if you want to know what the pride cycle is, go read Helaman chapter 12, verse two, because that's it. And it's just, it can be constant um, for all of us, but hopefully we don't get so caught up in the pride cycle that we literally have to be brought to like our knees, you know, to be able to like come back up to remember the Lord. So I think we all go through the pride cycle. Sometimes maybe we do it within a day and we're humbled and we come back or maybe it's over a month or whatnot. But we just need to try to recognize when we are starting to be that prideful and then try to be back and come like come back. Um trying to see. Yeah, the Lord just He wants us to remember him because as we do, we stay we stay good, we stay happy and we prosper. So Amen to that. In the next section, uh, Ideas for Family Scripture Study and Family Home Evening, in the first chunk, uh, just summarized up, it says, 
The part I liked was perhaps you could choose some recent counsel the prophets given and discuss as a family ways to better follow it. And the this is the counsel that President Nelson shared back in 2018 that like haunts me is not the right way of saying it, but this is what like causes me to almost like a force awakens moment where it's like there's been a disturbance. Have you felt it? And it's he said, but in the coming days it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. And that hit me so hard. That one line from that talk hit me so hard when he said it. And ever since then, like to this day, I will still like, I don't, I feel like I'm sweating about it, right? Like it's just so important that every single day for me to get the guiding influence of the Holy Ghost, because I'm like, I won't survive without it. <laughs> without it, I'm going to die. And so, you know, when he said that, it just hit me hard. Uh, is there any, has there anyone can can anyone think of any counsel the prophet has given that stuck out to you uh, in any way like that and if and if not that's fine we can also move on to the next chunk uh when he spoke about the repentance daily repentance basically striving to be better i mean that's pretty well not enough really said right there i love that too that's a good one um i thought he recently said with everything going on it's like that there are good days to come like positive things like there are good days ahead with all all the COVID stuff coming out they're very what did he say in that video it's like very happy days or something like that that yeah. are to come so it reminds me to have hope during hard these hard times these weird times that like maybe it won't completely go back to normal but like there are some really good things that are going to happen that we'll see and we get to be part of yeah totally in the next chunk uh just one of the verses i want to read was in 10.5 it says, And now because thou hast done this with such unwariness, behold, I will bless thee forever, and I will make thee mighty in word and in deed, in faith and in works. Yea, even that all things shall be done unto thee according to thy word, for thou shalt not ask that which is contrary to my will. And I love, like, I feel like that's a pattern we need to follow. To get to ourselves, to get ourselves into a point of our discipleship where we will not pray for something that is against the Lord's will. And this is something that, I mean, Lex and I have been talking about this. I probably pray all the time for stuff that is against the Lord's will because it's something that I really want. And I'm like, please make it happen. And then it doesn't happen. And she's like, well, it's probably not the Lord's will. And I'm like, but it should be. <laughs> you know, and I'll, I need to work over my pride of not thinking that way. But like to get yourself into the point of a disciple where the Lord trusts you so much that he knows you're not going to ask something contrary to his will. Like that's, I'm nowhere close to that. And I feel like that's so awesome that Nephi received that from the Lord. And where it talks about, like, I'll bless you with faith and in work. Well, it's not like it just, like, Nephi was lazy and then all of a sudden he's blessed with those things. He had clearly proven himself and then was blessed with even more of that. And um, I think in our weakness we need to remember that too, that it's the effort that matters, the, that God can bless us abundantly with more skill, more ability, whatever. He wants to see us try and fail because that's the process of learning. And as, but, but like, you know, as we prove ourselves faithful and worthy, he can immediately bless us with more skill and ability and all those things that we want. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know, anything, anything stick out to anyone there? I just like the unwearing, like the unwearingness part of everything. I think with missionaries, I think it's really important to my dad. I think he always, and I, I don't know if it was my dad or if it was our mission president that point, that pointed the scripture out, but like he's, Nephi, like he's done all that he like all that he can do, and he's just and done it with such unwariness that he says the Lord will bless him forever. 
I think as we apply that in our life, as we try our best to do it unwearingly, but following, like enduring to the end and following the gospel, that he will bless us forever. I know because I tried my best to on my mission to do it unwearingly and try to like give it my all, that he will bless me forever for that sacrifice. And I know like for missionaries today, missionaries going out and people have said in the past that, that that's the case. And it, that promises to everybody as we just try, try our very best to live the commandments and to do what the Lord has asked. He will bless us forever, whatever that looks like. I don't, it's going to be different for everyone, but he will bless us. It's, it's a guaranteed promise. Uh, the the last so I'm gonna skip the next chunk and go to the fourth uh, chunk Helaman 11 17 to 23 and I'm gonna read two verses the first one's 11 19 and the other one will be 11 23 first so 19 and behold Lehi his brother was not a whit behind him as to things pertaining to righteousness and then verse 23 and in the 70 and ninth year there began to be much strife but it came to pass that Nephi and Lehi and many other brethren who knew concerning the true points of doctrine having many revelations daily Therefore, they did preach unto the people insomuch they did put an end to their strife in the same year. So this chunk says, what do we learn about Nephi's brother Lehi? And then whom do we know who lives, uh, oh, whom do we know who lives a righteous life without receiving a lot of recognition? And so I, I love that verse where it talks about like, because it's true, we don't really hear a lot about Lehi. And then we get a verse that says he wasn't a whit behind his brother Nephi. And well, I think in church history, there are a ton of people like that who, like Hiram, Hiram Smith, Joseph's brother, right? People, uh, you know, from, from accounts, journals, journal accounts, people have said that the, they, they were like as close as brothers could be. And that, in a, and they, they were very similar in a lot of ways. Uh, but they did have their, their differences, obviously. Uh, one thing I remember, I can't, I can't remember which journal I read this from, but that, uh, Joseph Smith was had an easier time with the like if the Lord gave new revelation or new direction I should say uh, to principles not not doctrine because doctrine doesn't change but like principles of the church or whatever Joseph Smith had an easier time changing with that than Hiram did it sounds like Hiram was a little bit more of a traditionalist whatever the tradition was was easier uh, so I've always found that interesting but like Hiram Hiram doesn't receive a whole lot of uh, recognition in our church history. Certainly not as much as Joseph Smith, obviously. Um, but the two died as martyrs for this church. It wasn't just Joseph Smith. It was Joseph and Hiram together. And um, I, I, there are plenty of, to the, as to the second question, I feel like there are plenty of people that I can think of who are great spiritual stalwart people who are not, they're never bishops or they never hold a high calling or whatever the case may be, right? But uh, to me... There are people I pattern. I want to pattern my life after. Um, one of the greatest examples in my life was my great grandpa, uh, my great grandpa Pearson, who, to my knowledge, never held like a significant high calling or whatever. But he had more writings on the revelations he received and his his like thoughts on the doctrine and helping his children and and all that stuff than anybody. He was a genius and uh, just a true, like a true disciple of Christ. And that means far more to me personally than, you know, having someone that has received a lot of recognition or is well known or is a celebrity kind of thing. 
Yeah. So I don't know. Those are things I was thinking about. But what about y'all? Do y'all have examples in your life of people who maybe not don't receive a whole lot of recognition for their faith, but certainly you know have a lot of faith? I think most people in my life, um, just because I'm in a calling that's not. I mean, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like just because someone doesn't have a higher calling doesn't mean doesn't make them any less of a spiritual person. Yeah. Um, but I mean, pretty much everyone, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'm not making any sense. Like my, my grandpa Young was a patriarch um, and a state president. Okay, he had some callings, but. <laughs> but I, I see what you're, you know, I, I like, get what you're saying, yeah. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I was gonna try to say something. <laughs> what I'm assuming is that he was an example. Yeah, he was, faith, right? like, yeah, he was an example of faith to me, and and like I mean, I know he was a patriarch, and he had had some held some callings, which is totally opposite of what we're talking about. But the spirit I felt when I would go into his house, I mean, it was indescribable, and I mean, I go into his house now, and I someone else is living there, um, a different family member, and that spirit's just gone. And it's just so crazy that I could feel that spirit for so many years, and then it's almost like overnight it doesn't preside there anymore. Anyway, that wasn't a good example because he had higher callings, but he really, I mean, he made a big impact in my life. Well, I think and that's awesome. And, and honestly, I feel like it's my mistake of bringing up the calling thing because Lehi probably did have the calling because he was one of the leaders of the church. So he just doesn't receive as much recognition. So so I'm going to re- retract my statement about the calling thing. I don't know if it's necessarily about the calling, but maybe more of the celebrity status. Uh, oh, yeah. It's being probably an more... apostle or being Area 70, being, I don't know, a mission. I, I don't know. Probably just more of it's... I think it's not more about people that don't aren't as recognized yeah. but are still faithful regardless. It's not the recognition that matters. You know, like, I feel like it's the people that go about serving silently Mm-hmm. that are the greatest yeah. examples uh, and the ones that like I want to pattern my life after. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. But I, I think that was a great example that you shared. So like I said, that's my bad. Okay, um, I have... So that's all I had from the lesson. I have two scriptures that I want to share real quick and then we will wrap up. The first one, chapter 9, verse 39. And awkward scrolling. And there were some of the Nephites who believed on the words of Nephi. And there were some also who believed because of the testimony of the five, for they had been converted while they were in prison. So this is that story we had been talking about earlier. And what stuck, what stuck out to me from this verse is that everyone wasn't converted by the same testimony here. Uh, some were converted by Nephi's testimony. Others were converted by the other five. And, and to me what sticks out is that everyone's testimony is important. Um, like someone could be a great teacher, but their testimony isn't what's going to help someone else, right? And so it's, I think it's just important that n- none of us uh, consider our testimony weaker than someone else's or what we have to offer weaker than someone else. Uh, maybe someone's really good at public speaking and we don't feel like we are. So then we're given an opportunity to public speak and we're like, oh, no, no, no. Pick someone who's more talented. But that's not how the spirit works. The spirit doesn't work uh, based off just our talents. Spirit can change us. And also, like I said, our testimonies can influence other people who are probably more similar to us or even different than us. And we just never know what's going to work. So... Um, and, and I saw that specifically on my mission 
there'd be people who, countless missionaries had tried to teach, and then one day me and my companion showed up and they were ready for the gospel. And I felt like it was nothing I did, just happened to be the right time in their life. But other missionaries would be like, what, did, what was your secret? What did you do? And I'd be like, we didn't do anything. We just showed up and he happened to be ready. But they looked at it like, wow, your guys' testimony must be so strong. And I'd, I always combat that. I'd be like, nope, nope, just happened to be right right time in their life. Um, so anyway, that's what that sticks out to me is that everyone's testimony is important. Never discount your testimony as being less than someone else because it's not. And, and you never know the influence you have in someone's life, truly. There are people in, there are people who made huge differences in my life that were complete strangers and they'll never know. But it was just the way they treat they the way they acted and the spirit they had. Uh, then the last verse I wanted to share was ten sixteen, and it says, "But behold, the power of God was taken with him, and they could not take him to cast him into prison, for he was taken by the spirit and conveyed uh, conveyed away out of the midst of them." So this is Nephi after he's been blessed with the sealing power and, and uh, other spiritual gifts. But what a cool superpower! Says that like they couldn't even cast him into prison because the spirit would take him and like I don't know if he like just warped him somewhere else, but it was like anyway, it's just kind of a crazy uh the same thing happened to Christ when a mob went to come for him and it says that he passed through them through the Holy Ghost. So I feel like there's some superpower that the spirit can grant us that uh when we're super righteous and when we need it, we can like phase through people like a superhero. I don't know, something to, food for thought, something to think about. Uh, that's it for, that's, that's all I have. Do, does anyone else have any closing thoughts that they were feeling or things that the Spirit was like, hey, share this before he, before he concludes? Okay, I've seen a whole lot of head, nod, head uh, shakes, not nods. Uh, guys, thank you. Charlie and Dan, thank you for, for joining me, for uh, being willing to come be my guest. Alexis, as always, thank you for being my wife and putting up with me and also coming and uh, being a guest as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, as for everyone else, thank you for joining me in this family room discussion. And please share the ideas, questions, and insights that you gained from Helaman chapter 7 through 12 with me. Until we meet again, have a blessed week.